Hi everyone, welcome to We Will Wander, exploring life off the traditional path, a podcast about location-independent families living and working all around the world. I'm Clint Bush. And I'm Zaley Pollan, and twice a month we talk to families about what it's like to live location-independent, travel full-time, or educate their kids on the road. The world is big and time is short, so let's get started. So how do world schoolers and remote travelers afford their lifestyle? Well, there are as many different answers as there are families and individuals. In today's interview, Clint speaks with Karen Ricks, who travels full-time with her family while working remotely as a chef. Well, my name is Karen Ricks, and I am the head chef of Our Kitchen Classroom. My husband and I have been traveling full-time with our son, who is nine years old, for three years now. We just celebrated our three-year travel anniversary. It's really exciting. That's awesome. <laughs> and <laughs> we are currently in Tirana, the capital city of Albania in Eastern Europe. Fantastic. So one of the things that when I was speaking to Astrid, my wife, about um, just kind of your context that really struck me was that you are a chef, which is not the normal digital nomad job by any means. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love to hear more about what your background was as far as being a chef and then how you transitioned into remote work. Sure. Well, it's hilarious, honestly, when I look back over the work that I've been doing for the last couple of decades, because it took me a long time to actually call myself a chef. I am actually a professional educator, originally by training and study. I have been a Montessorian since I was a child myself, going to Montessori preschool where I grew up in Southern California. And I studied education for a long time. I was a teacher in a private Montessori school in the United States before my husband and I left the U.S. to live and work in Japan back in 2007. Wow, 13 years ago. It seems crazy long time ago. (laughs) So I actually followed my husband, who was really excited about teaching in Japan. He is a novelist right now, but he has this incredible fascination with martial arts and he loves to teach. And so he was recruited by the largest English language school in Japan to go and teach. And I was just gonna leave my teaching job, take a one year sabbatical to go and explore a new country with him while he was teaching. It was supposed to just be for a year and we loved it so much. We ended up staying there for 10. Wow. (laughs) Completely unexpected. But during that time that we were there, uh, our son was born and I founded our own international Montessori school. And that was where we really took the Montessori training that I had and that my husband underwent while we were running our school and really set off on the sort of homeschooling journey that I always intended for my child. But we just put it in a downtown building and we opened it up to our local community. And it was an amazing time to be able to do all the things that I was trained as a Montessori and as an educator to do in a multilingual setting. So I'm 
teaching, I'm running this Montessori school, I'm having the opportunity to teach my own child like I always wanted to. And then this amazing opportunity to go to cooking school in Italy opened up and it was everything I had always dreamed of doing. I love cooking. I've been cooking since I was a young child myself. And we did loads and loads of cooking at the school with the children, including making lunches on a daily basis and cooking for big pop-up dinners in a local restaurant and even cooking for big international festivals within our community. And so I'd always been passionate about food and cooking and never in a million years expected something like that. Uh, we sold it all and took off Italy so that I could go to cooking school and we have been traveling full time ever since. So what I do now and part of how we continue to stay location independent is teaching food and teaching cooking. As we study the local language, history, culture, I also dive in and study the cuisine in the different places where we live. And I teach cooking classes, not just online, but also in person. And what's really unique about what I do is that I work with parents, especially families, with young children that don't normally get to participate in things like cooking classes when they travel, because those things are usually reserved for adults. And it's such a joy for me because I have the opportunity to utilize all those skills that I have as an educator for the last 20 something years and share what I love and what I'm passionate about. That's beautiful. So when you were in Italy, when you, when you sold everything, you sold the business, the Montessori school, and then you moved to Italy to go to cooking school. What part of Italy was that that you took the cooking school? I was in Sicily, which is the island at the southern tip of the little boot that is Italy. We landed in Palermo, a coastal city in the northwest part of the island. And then we took a train down into this tiny little village. It was no more than about a kilometer across. And it was an amazing experience. We were really embedded in this tiny little Sicilian community. We stayed for part of the time actually in a convent with a trio of old Sicilian nuns and it was the most incredibly immersive experience. Just, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, your your story so far sounds like a travel movie. I mean, or a travel book. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, uh, including the details of staying in a convent in Sicily. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> I, I couldn't make this up if I tried. <laughs> uh, so how long total then were you in Italy for the school? So we spent three months during that first stint in Italy, and we were actually blessed to return to the country a little bit later in a different region. And so Italy will forever have a piece of my heart. The different types of cooking that happen in different parts of the country, the landscape, some of the best food we have literally ever had in our entire lives. It was, it's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, we only spent a month there and absolutely fell in love with it um there's right? just, just a you want to go back doesn't yeah. it yeah 
yeah, there's a there's a magic in the charm about, especially if you're passionate about food, because they are extremely passionate about food there. It's, yes, it's incredible. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was you were talking about how you like to teach classes locally, especially the little kids. One of our favorite things to do is take cooking classes with our kids in the very few mm-hmm. that we've been in. So we've taken yes. cooking classes in Indonesia and in Mexico and Italy, and it it's absolutely one of the coolest things we get to do. So when you're in a location, for example, you're in Albania right now, are you working with local people or are you cooking are you teaching just general cooking what is the local classes that you're trying to teach there so you know like any traveling food lover i always seek out new experiences cooking classes the sorts of things that will give me an insight into the local food scene uh, culinary traditions in every new place that we live and for whatever blessed reason I am just attracted to or people are attracted to me that have the most incredible food stories and things to share. So for example when we landed here in Albania just over a year ago and just around the corner from us in our old apartment was a brand new shop that was opening that was entirely focused on bringing sustainable and organic Albanian products to the local community. So I made friends with the owners and they have been teaching me so much about Albanian cuisine and have even introduced me to some of the local producers. So it's been an incredible resource for learning a lot about not only the food, but about the culture and the language. In my experience, I've always been like you, I've cooked since I was a small kid. And I've always been very, very fascinated with just the connection of food and culture and history specifically. And I'm, I'm blown away, and, and Europe specifically too has, has a really interesting history there with food. So you were in Italy, and then how did you decide to go to Albania, or, or how did Albania enter your radar? Honestly, we came to Albania out of sheer curiosity. When transitioning from our brick and mortar school in Japan to our travels in Italy and beyond, I had a lot of parents that I had been working with in Japan specifically, but also just friends and family in other parts of the world who were really curious about what it was we were doing and what I was learning at cooking school. So I was relatively new on social media at the time and sharing a few pictures and things, but I knew that I wanted to take the teaching that we had been doing in our school onto a broader platform. And that's really how our kitchen classroom began. And so in that process, I was working with a business consultant who just happened to be living and working with her family in Albania. So she had mentioned that it was a wonderful place for food lovers and travelers and digital nomads, and especially parents with young children, because she was here with her two children. So we were in Italy, literally just looking at the map going, hmm, where do we want to go next? And as we looked at the map, we saw, oh, hey, there's Albania. It's just on the other side of the Adriatic here. And it was literally an hour and a half flight. And we landed here and we fell in love so quickly that it just, it felt like home almost right away. 
How long have you been in Albania now? So we've actually been here for a little over a year and a half, uh, but not consistently. We stayed here for about a year. And then we spent the summer traveling in other areas of the Balkans, exploring Greece and North Macedonia. And we just still felt that pull to come back to Tirana. And so we looped and here we are back again. That's great. So you were, you were saying for Albania, the business consultant that piqued your interest, she mentioned that it's great for digital nomads and great food scene. And because food is so central to who you are and what you do, um, Tell me, I don't know anything about Albanian cuisine. Just what does it consist of? Is it similar to other European things? Or, Well, one of the things that first attracted me was the fact that it is so closely linked with Italian. In fact, being so close, we can easily get lots of imported Italian products. So Albania is the first country where my family and I have landed that we didn't know anything about the local history, language, culture, like nothing. And I felt really terrible about that. So we started studying right away. But going to the market for the first time and seeing products that were labeled in Italian was a real relief because at least that was something that we, was familiar, you know, that we could manage. But Albanian cuisine really has a lot of influences, not only from Italy, but also from Greece on its southern border and Turkey just off to the east of Greece. And because of the history of invasion and occupation throughout the region, Albanian cuisine is really sort of a mix of all three of those. And there are other Middle Eastern influences too, obviously, but it's really, really focused on a lot of the local and seasonal produce. And there are so many things that I had no idea were grown here locally that are just absolutely incredible. I know I said that we had the most delicious food while we were in Italy, and I will still stand by that, but Albanian food is really amazing too. And so how has your son, I mean, he, him being nine, we have we have a nine-year-old daughter and a six-year-old son. And uh, how has your son adapted to the traveling? I mean, granted, you've been in one location more or less for a year and a half. But how do you think he's benefiting or how do you think he's enjoying the being abroad? Well, the first and most important thing for me is how we're all really able to relate together as a family. And Albania really is a family-friendly place. It's incredibly welcoming for children. It's so safe. I mean, we have wonderful, kind, and generous neighbors, local business owners, people who are so happy to help us in every way as we are just kind of getting settled here in the community as a family. And my son is an absolute champ when it comes to traveling. We moved around a lot quicker in the first couple of years, trying to you know, visit more places. And settling down here in Albania, I think, has given him a real sense of, I don't know, stability, yeah. um, comfort. He's really kind of relaxed into his role as a traveler, as a global citizen, more than anything else, though, there are just so many fun things that we get to do together here as a family that he really enjoys. He's very physical, 
And so he had a chance to work on things like acrobatics and gymnastics training with a coach who was the member of the national circus here in Albania last year. So that was a lot of fun. And there's a brand new trampoline park that's opened up here in town since we, it was actually over the summer. Yeah. So it's just been open a few months, but we have a chance to go there regularly. There's an ice skating rink and there are beautiful parks. We can go for a bike ride around the lake. It's really just a cool place to hang out and enjoy lots of family-friendly activities. And he absolutely loves that. Wow. And as far as in addition kind of family-friendly, one of the things that I often hear from families who haven't really traveled much or they're, they're starting to, they're, things that they're worried about immediately are language, the ability to talk with someone. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is just cost of living. I mean, that's always one of the things that comes up almost every conversation that I have. Sure. With people. Where do you feel, especially you were in Italy, and I have a sense for Italy too, just kind of, of course, you were on, you were on the very southern end, which I think is pretty slightly different lifestyle than the northern end, which is where we were. But how do you find Albania as far as a, the language, either learning the local language, is it English friendly, and then B, just kind of cost of living in general there? Well, as I said, Albania is the first place we ever landed where we didn't speak a single word of the local language when we arrived. And it was absolutely incredible to be able to try to work with people to communicate. Albanians are incredibly multilingual for the most part, especially the younger generation. So loads and loads of people do speak English, especially working in the hospitality industries. So for people who are traveling, especially for shorter periods of time than we are, it is really easy, I think, to kind of get around, especially in a big city like Tirana, which is the capital, without any Albanian. What's interesting, though, is the Albanian language is unlike any other language that we've studied. So while there are some words that have some familiar sounding roots, like in Greek or Italian, there are others that are just completely different altogether. And so it's been a challenge to really learn and to communicate in Albanian. But as I said, Albanians are also very multilingual and studying other languages too. So my Italian also continued to improve here because for every uh, Albanian that I encountered that didn't speak English, there was at least some other commonality of language, with whether it was Italian or a little bit of Spanish. I don't really speak much Greek or French or German, but I have heard a lot of people studying those languages as well. So I would say in terms of the language and people working to communicate with you, it is very encouraging, very friendly. People are very outgoing and incredibly helpful too. I mean, I could have been like just in line at the grocery store or something one day and I had a question. And while the cashier might not have spoken English, somebody in line invariably did. And they were like, oh, I can help and just stepped up to help translate. So people are super helpful and friendly here. Yeah, that's great. I, I love when when that experience happens. Yeah, I do too. I just have a couple more questions that I kind of wanted to dive into. I guess one of them was more of a logistics question as far as as far as working online um, and teaching classes and stuff. What challenges have you found with teaching stuff online? And are you doing live 
videos and things like that and we're working online just as far as schedule or as connection issues what are some of the challenges you've come across with trying to run a business that's partially online well one of the biggest challenges as i'm sure you know is just coordinating schedules across multiple time zones (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, It's invariably, um, you know, whether it's a change from daylight savings time and back or just figuring out the time zone that you're in and what the time difference is for somebody else. Connecting with people around the world is just a challenge at times to coordinate everybody's schedules and get everybody on the same page. But one of the things that I really enjoy, especially, and it works out well for my family, is the fact that a lot of my clients are based in the United States or in North American time zones in general. And so it makes it really easy for me as a night owl to connect with people who are in the United States, Uh, maybe on the East Coast, for example, they can be six hours behind us. But I'm able to work with them and helping them prepare dinner, for example, even though it's midnight for me here. And that's just (laughs) one of the joys that we have in being flexible and location independent. So I can hang out and have fun doing my midnight baking thing. And I'm still able to connect with clients and record videos for some of the lessons that I teach and stuff like that. So that's a lot of fun. That's great. Is there any advice you would have for families that maybe have had kind of more of a traditional path like you originally had who are looking to become location independent or maybe they just did and they're they're thinking of travel is there anything that you'd wish someone had kind of told you when you first started traveling that might be helpful you know the best advice i can always give people just something that i have to continually remind myself to is to start before you're ready i talk to parents all the time who are following our adventures on social media and they see, you know, that we've picked up and moved to a new country, for example, and thinking, oh, okay, I have to research this and I have to save X amount of dollars and I have to make sure that I know this and that and 10 million other things before I can take the first step. And kind of like having children in the first place, there is no one specific benchmark that you can say, okay, now I'm really ready because you're never going to be 100% ready for all the curveballs that family life throws at you. And the same is true when your family life is travel, but you never really know all the things that you don't know until you dive in head first. And so I just tell people, just go. You will learn so many more valuable lessons when you're already in the middle of it. And taking off on the adventure, that, I mean, that is the excitement. That is the adventure. That's where the real learning happens. That's great. And so, I mean, so true. It's like getting married, having kids. There's no way to be 100% ready for any of that. There really isn't. (laughs) There never is. So just go. Like the best time to start was last year, you know, last week, last month, yesterday. <laughs> yes. So just do it now. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And is there anything else that you want to say that we didn't get a chance to ask about or you really want to express that we didn't cover? Well, I think one of the really interesting things for us as a family that I want to encourage other parents to do too is to really take a look at just how the life that you really want to lead is 
something that you can take on the road with you. You know, my family and I had a really interesting experience running our school in Japan because we had the opportunity to spend a lot of time working together before we took our act on the road, as it were. <laughs> but what we've learned as we have been full-time travelers now for the last three years is that we were really spending that time practicing how we were going to do this full-time nomadic travel world schooling thing before we ever left Japan to start traveling. And so with my son as my sous chef and like I was talking about the midnight baking or, you know, just spending time together doing all the fun activities that we do, we have really embraced our location independence because we have structured our businesses, our kind of working life around the sort of life that we really want to lead as a family. And that's what makes this adventure such a joyous one because we do get to do it together. That is a great thought. Absolutely. That is pretty much it. I got a couple bonus questions we like to throw in there sometimes. Okay. And one is, is there a specific thing that you can't travel without? I always love asking this of families because everyone's answer seems to be fairly different. <laughs> so um, I'm just curious, is there something that you or your family has found invaluable while you travel around? Oh my goodness. Well, this is going to sound really strange because as digital nomads, we rely a lot on technology, but in all honesty, the best thing I carry around with me now when I'm out wandering in a new place is a pencil and paper. I'm really old school. I don't have a cell phone. And so the different parts of the brain working together to help remember things, whether it's a new shop that I've discovered, a new vocabulary word that I want to make sure I remember, writing things down with a pencil and paper is one of the most helpful ways for continuous daily learning and recall. So I can't live without a pencil and paper. That's a great answer. Great answer. <laughs> um, I do have an extension off of that question, though, that is, is more of personal interest to me is, do you travel with a chef knife or uh, a few knives with you? You know what? I actually don't. Okay. And the biggest reason is, you know, all the safety regulations and things with flying. Yep. It makes it really difficult to travel with certain things. You know what I do travel with? that has been a challenge sometimes is my ice skates. <laughs> there was a time when it was really easy though. Those were my carry on. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, everything changed with nine 11 uh -huh. and all the enhanced security now going through airports and uh, even some border crossings. And so it's really important that the things that we do carry and we travel pretty light as a family now it's one checked bag and one carry-on per person. So knives are something that I can buy in each new location. And my husband is great at sharpening. So no, I don't travel with knives. That is you good. travel with my blade. <laughs> I, I am tempted to, I, I agree about the buying the knives thing. Um, I am tempted to buy a sharpening stone though, because uh, that seems like it'd be fairly easy to travel with and something. That is much easier to travel with. And <laughs> it was especially helpful because, you know, sometimes we land in a new place and we might be in short-term accommodations before uh -huh. we find something more long-term. 
like uh, working with a real estate agent to find the apartment that we're in now for a year. But not all places have sharp knives. In fact, we have landed in a few places that we might as well have used spoons. <laughs> That's how sharp <laughs> knives were. So I'm so thankful that my husband is so great and loves to sharpen my knives. Fantastic. Yeah, I learned it as a Boy Scout uh, in the States, and it's one of my favorite things to do, too. So, <laughs> yeah, see, He loves it. He finds it really relaxing, and I can do it, but why would I do that when <laughs> he enjoys it so much? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then the last bonus question is just, is there anything that you would like to plug that we can include in our show notes, whether it's your business or, or something that you would like for us to mention? Oh, well, sure. As I said, my business is Our Kitchen Classroom, and we've got some really exciting stuff coming up over the next couple of months, including a virtual world schooling summit, where I teach more about just how integral food and cooking is to our world schooling experience. And my son and I have both written books, and we're working on even more. Those are available on our website at ourkitchenclassroom.com. And we will have open registration again for our next online cooking workshop, The Ultimate Cooking with Children, which is based on my first book. And it's a great introduction to all the different ways that we really make welcoming children into the kitchen so much fun and just a really family-friendly learning experience. All right. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for spending your, your time chatting with me. No, thank you for reaching out. I love seeing so many um, people who want to share this, you know, nomadic kind of location, independent lifestyle. And the fact that we don't see as many families doing it makes what you're doing so important, but especially for families of color, because I know when, even just when my husband and I left the States, we didn't see anybody who looked like us. Even we didn't know anybody even coming from the States who was doing what we were doing just to pick up and teach in another country. But now traveling full time with a multiracial, multilingual child and working online and just trying to live our lives as a normal family and, you know, not as broke backpackers begging for crumbs <laughs> on the side of the road or whatever, you know, seriously, I know there are some people who, who fear for us and what we're doing because that's all they know yeah. of people who are traveling or working online. So it's like, you know, no, we're not all broke backpackers. You know, we are actually living and thriving as a normal family, just doing something a little less conventional. I absolutely agree. I think just the family angle and then the people of color, the the representation that like mm -hmm. is thankfully entering this market or at yes. least being exposed more. Is so... We have to work to expose it. So that's why I'm so yeah. glad to see what you're doing. Very cool. Well, that's something that my wife and I are both very passionate about. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Well, that's the show. Thank you all so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find us and lets us know what you all think. You can find links and episode notes at wewillwander.com. Also, if you want to leave feedback or ask us a question, go to our website, wewillwander.com, and click on Ask a Question. Looking forward to hearing from you. 
For We Will Wander, I'm Clint Bush. And I'm Zaylee Paulin, reminding you to get lost.